Each new challenge also provides a new opportunity for us to reinvent the industry and reconsider ways in which we've done things in the past. This is why the registry continues to provide industry insights through personal interviews with the leaders who are shaping real estate each and every day. By subscribing to our podcast, you are helping us in our work, and we will continue to deliver programming such as the one you're about to hear. Please click the subscribe button and let your friends and colleagues know about us. It will help you and the industry stay ahead of the game. Tony Gonzalez is the Chief Operating Officer of San Jose BioCube, a 37,000-square-foot life science and biotech incubator in the heart of Silicon Valley. With a decade of lab facility expertise, Tony oversees all BioCube operations, which include specialized co-working spaces and lab facilities for high-growth startups in this area of innovation. Prior to BioCube, Tony managed high-profile laboratory facility projects, including the $43.5 million build-out for Roche Group a top two global pharmaceutical company. Tony, good morning. How are you? Good morning, sir. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Uh, where do we find you today? Where Where are you working from today? Actually, I'm at our South San Jose location. We are currently diligently working to put the ground floor back together so that we can augment to our existing program in our South San Jose location at uh, 59 41 optical court. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So you are still a full on office going, right? Because you have to obviously, right? So we have a small construction crew. It's really sort of safing off. We've completed our demolition plan and we're sort of bringing, you know, certain things online. Of course, we're following all of uh, the guidelines, you know, mask wearing, social distancing, especially when it comes to construction. So normally um, towards the end of of November into December, things on the construction field sort of tend to slow down a little bit. Materials become a little scarce. Oh, Labor pools okay. <laughs> sort of kind of dwindle down because of all the holidays that they get because, you know, BioCube does utilize uh, union labor. So right, right. there's a lot of holidays. And of course, you know, people then start taking vacations and whatnot. So traditionally, uh, things sort of slow down. Now with a pandemic, things are sort of this are very similar, with the exception that now we are having the labor force now being directly affected by yeah, by right. COVID. They either come down with COVID, they've been exposed to COVID, so they have to go through the process. What we're also starting to see uh, the same is where certain things that we would normally take for granted, like electronics, you know, widgets from China, electrical supplies, those sort of things are not being produced as they normally would. So, you know, that's sort of been a little bit of a, of a slowdown for us. So we decided to utilize this time to sort of advance our plans. And in order to still, you know, our goal is to complete the first floor by the end of March. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Good, good. Well, Tony, let's wind ourselves back a little bit and uh, take us through your background a little bit and sort of by way of introduction, tell us a little bit about, you know, you know, who you are, who your organization is. Tell us about BioCube, how you got involved and sort of, you know, where, where your sphere of influence in the industry is. I sort of, in in all honesty, you know, before I got into sort of the facilities management aspect of, of what I do, I used to support sea level management for companies like Philips and Hitachi. A good friend of mine actually got me into sort of the facilities coordination role when I worked for Philips. Okay. 
back when, when Phillips components used to exist in, in San Jose. And upon his departure, I was sort of kind of thrown into more of a facilities role. So it was kind of like either I sink or swim type of deal. And uh, components was actually in the middle of moving into a more campus type structure that Phillips was building in Sunnyvale. It was a lot of what I've experienced was more hands on where I sort of had to learn as I went. And I really did enjoy the role during my tenure with Phillips. And I started to seek out other opportunities that were more in the environmental health and safety and facilities types of roles. So sure. that's kind of how I started. Yep. With BioCube, I actually was transitioning from analog devices where I had a C-level uh, role where I supported the VP of sales. And you know, this is shortly after the dot-com bust. And so looking for certain positions in the facilities role were, were sort of scarce. And the ones that were available required a lot more experience than what I had back then. Yeah. So I, I found a role um, as an office manager for the former project, San Jose Biocenter. And okay. San Jose Biocenter was actually a program developed by Redevelopment Agency for the City of San Jose. Okay. Yeah. They partnered up with the San Jose State University Research Foundation to sort of develop a program, an incubator, accelerator type model that would bring life science to the South Bay. Yeah. You know, a lot of a lot of what we were seeing at that time was South San Francisco yes. predominantly. Yes. Even even if you went up to Menlo Park and Mountain View, as you sort of see now. There's little spurts of, of incubation, but back then in, in the 2006 timeframe, it was all South San Francisco. Yeah, yes, yeah. So City of San Jose wanted sort of what, would the, what they would consider a piece of the pie. Yeah. They wanted to be that, that growth to the City of San Jose with the hopes that as they incubated these companies, that they would stay within San Jose uh, city limits and grow. So basically e – foster economic growth within the city boundaries. Yeah, yep. makes sense. So during that time frame, I, I worked for the project up until about 2010. One of the companies that belonged or sort of, you know, benefited from the program, Ariosa Diagnostics, I was approached by the CEO and requested to sort of build out the first floor, the two-story building that the current biocenter was in. Between 2006 and 2007, I had moved from a role from an office managerial role into more of a facilities role. So I'd gained quite a bit of knowledge in regards to how to operate an incubator, how to manage all the day-to-day -day things that needed to be done, and also support different levels of life science companies. It, it, it could be therapeutics. It could be sort of drug delivery. It could be sort of you know clean tech which was at the time something new and emergent, emerging at the, at yeah. the time. Yeah. And BioCube at this point was sort of... BioCenter at the time. Right. BioCenter at the time was, was kind of like a... Did it actually have a physical space or was it, you know, an academic kind of, you know, incubator in a sense that it's an organization versus it actually provided space and physical locations for these companies to get into? So that's actually a great question. It did have physical space. It's the same space that BioCube currently has now. So they occupied 37,000 square feet. 
on the second floor of the 5941 optical court facility. Okay. And that's currently where BioCube is now, today. And we're currently, BioCube is expanding and augmenting an additional 30,000 square feet. So the location, the offering is the same. What's different is, is the name. Yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. So, um, so this has been kind of interesting because I would say, you know, like you identified for us prior to this initiative, most of the most of the efforts around life sciences around the Bay Area were focused around, you know, North San Mateo County, Mission Bay, some in Emeryville. But I would say, you know, over the last couple of years, we've seen now that industry evolve into, you know, the Mid Peninsula, Foster City, Redwood City, San Carlos. And and it seems like it's, you know, like other part of tech as it was coming from Silicon Valley into San Francisco and sort of other parts of the of the region, life science is sort of slowly moving throughout throughout the rest of the region. So tell us a little bit about how also COVID has accelerated that trend because I would argue now with what's going on with the vaccines and the research and all kinds of different stuff, there's really a lot more attention to the to the life science sector in general. Well, I think COVID has really had a huge impact on, on life science. Now that we've, you know, in the middle of a pandemic, you know, it's, it's had a major impact on the U.S. academic, you know, research enterprise. Yeah. You know, a lot of the university labs have shut down, which has impacted a lot of, you know, new potential growth or new potential offerings for these very early stage emerging companies to sort of have a place to call home, yeah, a place to be able to even remotely go in and potentially do some work and then sort of pack up their stuff and walk away. And since we are a private organization and we have been deemed essential, we are able to continue to offer opportunities to our researchers. And that's one of the predominant reasons why BioCube has decided to sort of double down and and continue to augment to our existing program in South San Jose and then venture into the North San Jose, providing opportunities to these very early stage life science companies. It, it, it's important as we continue to be faced with now a pandemic and other things that we might face in the future to offer these types of programs to provide opportunities in the life science sector. Labs are, are critical to our research and they will most likely continue to be deemed essential. It's not something that you could do working remotely or work from home. Yeah, right. So right. these facilities are, are key. Yeah, understood. No, 100%. And also, we should, we should kind of provide a little bit of an overview for, for the audience in terms of where the industry is. So, I mean, you know, vacancy, I think, in the, in the life science sector throughout the region is, I think, I don't know, below 2% or something like that, right? It is yeah, very it's, difficult it's to, find, to find space if you are a budding company or, or even, even a growing one or even an established one. Tell us a little bit about sort of how, how you see that and those market dynamics, how that might impact what, what happens with BioCube going forward. Well, you know, I, I think moving forward is that we're we're tapping into a market that's that's not really been tapped. We're focusing most of our growth in the San Jose area. We see we haven't seen a lot of incubator accelerator programs being developed. We have we've seen a tremendous amount of growth up the peninsula to your point and even in South San Francisco, a lot of new emerging VCs, corporate companies 
sort of partner up with landlords to develop these types of offerings for yeah. early stage life size companies. But we really haven't seen that in the South Bay. And BioCube has decided to sort of tap into that market because we we hear from our existing clients that, you know, as, as the cost of living continues to rise in California, we see that individuals tend to sort of migrate south as the opportunities to potentially buy a home is, is, a, is a little easier. You know, what you necessarily would buy in, let's say, San Jose and you were to move to Morgan Hill which is about 10 minutes, you could probably see a drop of about $100,000. Yeah, sure. So as we see that migration of individuals along with talent, we decided to sort of build, augment to our existing location, and then look forward to the North San Jose with the hopes that we are going to see and fill that demand that's currently in the Bay Area. Yeah. So as an incubator, are you seeing demand primarily from companies that are starting up or are you seeing also interest from established firms? You know, give us a little bit of the landscape of the of the folks that are you know interested in your space. You know, we've actually um, gotten a lot of requests from existing companies. We've also seen numerous requests from out of state, out of country. No, oh, interesting. And I think it really comes down to to the cost of having to build facilities like this. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of companies, emerging companies, new companies, or even can, we still continue to get uh, an extreme amount of uh, opportunities from universities. And what I see is that regardless of what either the private sector or the public sector, my feeling is that what's driving the popularity of, of incubators and accelerators is, is the cost of building and outfitting these facilities. You know, right now, to, to build a facility very similar to BioCube, you're looking at about 275 a square foot okay. and above. And that still doesn't include the cost of actually the physical outfitting, you know, all the FF&E furniture, fixtures, and equipment. Yep, yep. So you potentially could be looking at about $350 to $400 a square foot to build out these facilities. And, and so the investment is, is, is quite significant. And I think that that's what sort of makes companies or individuals sort of think like, do we really want to make this investment for something that there's still an unknown? So the, the, the fact that a lot of organizations have sort of partnered with the private sector to sort of build these these types of facilities, it has enabled us to accommodate whether it be individuals from the private sector, individuals through academia, or just companies themselves that that feel that well, we, we want to see if this potential product line will work yeah. before we actually dedicate you know tens of millions of dollars of, of building them their their own facility. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Are you also seeing, you know, my understanding is there are, there are different sort of shades of life science space, right? And each, each shade, if you will, has a different cost component and cost structure to it. Are you focused on a, on a specific aspect of those or are you flexible enough where you can kind of go up and down that spectrum based on uh, tenant demand? So we actually build all our facilities to be flexible. But we, we, what we've learned is that as long as you build towards heavy chemistry, Okay. It'll basically accommodate everything else. Once you have a fume hood in there, it, it provides other opportunities. You can do biotech, you could do clean tech, 
there's so many other things that you can potentially do because a fume hood and building towards hemochemistry basically puts you into that BSL two category yeah. where you can sort of do bloodborne pathogens. You can do some infections. You can work with all of those, those things that allows you to sort of be able to address a lot of the life science community. Um, also to all the support rooms are essential as well. We provide tissue culture space. We have virus, bacteria, cell culture, and we also provide common equipment to our facility. So it's it's all of those components, if planned and built properly, can provide you with a successful program. Yeah, interesting. Do you find that the construction industry in the Bay Area is deep enough to provide those kinds of um, services to you, or or is it a specialized type of builder that you have to work with? I think it's it's really hard to say what what what's out in in the Bay Area. What I can tell you, and what I can't comment to, is that you know over ten years of of running and a life science incubator, I, I sort of come with my own, own Rolodex. Uh, I have my dedicated team that will help me with the MEP design. Yep. I have my own architect who has 30 plus years, you know, sort of designing life science buildings. And I think it's, it's, it's essential for a person like myself to be able to also understand. Because once you understand and, you, and you're sort of boots on the ground, in regards to the day-to-day needs of an op- of, of a facility like BioCube, you tend to understand and you're able to sort of get behind all the things that you will need to do in the future to help support all these newer companies. Yeah. You're sort of able to sort of adjust. You know, if you were to do something different next go around, what would that look like? So I think for me, it's, it's really based on experience and the fact that I have a close group of subcontractors, contractors, and architects that I've carried with me over a decade that helps me be successful when building facilities like this. Yeah, yeah. So unfortunately, I'm not able to answer the question in regards to everything else, but I do think it's quite essential for companies um, who are going to build these facilities to have at least a basic understanding. One of the reasons I asked that is in the last cycle, one of the things that we've seen across the board, not just in the life science sector, but just just across the board, the construction costs have really escalated. I mean, to the point where, in some cases, they're you know making projects undoable, right? They just don't pencil out anymore. And this is primarily on the you know multifamily side, where there are other things like you know impact fees and things like that that need to be sort of you know added. But my question is, you know, one. Does this pose a a hurdle for the continual growth of the industry? Number one, just from a sheer, you know, volume, you know, can can the industry handle? And I'm, by industry, I mean the construction and you know development side. Can they handle the demand? And then num- number two, like, are some of the costs associated with building this type of product, you know, going to become a hurdle? going forward, right? So so I'm trying to just sort of get get an assessment, you know, whether whether this is something that can continue growing and be a great sector for the Bay Area or uh, or is it something that, you know, only a few will be able to afford to actually build? Well I, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna try to answer both questions sort of with a combination response. I think that as as we continue to grow as a society with the cost of, of living and labor uh, rising in California, it, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, Being able to do business in California it, it, in general is, is expensive. 
and quite difficult to do. And in order for these, for us to be able to provide these types of facilities, it's, it's taken specific partnerships and it's, it, it could be with either a landlord or a large corporation due to the costs. Right. And then if we want to continue to develop these types of programs in California in general, it, it, it's going to take an individual who has the financial arm to sort of be able to allow organizations like BioCube to continue their growth. It, it, it's going to be essential to develop those types of partnerships. And it, and it really just boils down to the, the, the cost of living which then generates the cost of, of the workforce, of what the individual are being paid. So it, it, it all sort of meshes all together. And it's sort of we, and until we get a, a more control over just, inf- I think it's inflation in general, Yeah, it's going to continue to be a challenge. Sure, sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I mean, if, if you think about it, that's that's kind of the reasons why, you know, like Elon Musk has decided to move to Texas. Yeah. Yeah, companies like HP, Oracle—they're all moving to to Texas for the simple fact is that it's 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 so difficult and so costly to do business in California. But you know, BioCube has made the decision to sort of once again double down and take a risk in in offering these types. Because regardless, they're still needed, and especially now as we've been faced with a pandemic. And there's a possibility where it looks like COVID may have a, a, a form of bacteria. It is quintessential for us to be able to have these opportunities in order to fix tomorrow's problems. Yeah, agreed. Well, and I think what also benefits the Bay Area is the sort of the clustering effect, right? So, you know, you mentioned Oracle and HP Enterprise and, you know, Tesla. I think some of those jobs are transferable, right, to other markets a little, little more easily, Whereas, you know, getting the sort of talent and the scientists and the sort of co-location and proximity to, you know, universities, you know, is not as easy, I think. I would argue is not as easy to move, right? So that could be the saving grace for this industry in the in the Bay Area, I would argue. Yes, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah. Given kind of everything that's that's kind of happening in, in uh, you know, the life science sector today, whether it's, you know, COVID related or just in general, you know, how the industry has has been responded, what, what, what has surprised you? What's really surprised me is that a lot of just the fact that venture capital and even corporate entities are just pouring such an enormous amount of money into pharma and development of sort of drug delivery, therapeutics. I mean, it's, 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 they're sort of scaling back on everything else, but life science seems to just be booming. Yeah. And I think it sort of kind of goes back to where that's how we're going to fix what, the problem that we have today, you know, by continuing to, you know, provide dollars, you know, and support research. And so I, I'm just, I'm so, sort of amazed as, as to, now, before everybody used to talk about, oh, let, let's build an incubator, let's think about putting an accelerator here, and and really the the drivers, what I saw in the past, have been more from city uh, organizations or potentially universities. Yeah. Now you're actually getting, you know, corporate sponsors, especially building owners, saying, you know, hey, we we really want to get involved. Yeah. We want to build a life science community. We sort of want to, you know, create that ecosystem that you've been talking about, where we have a group of buildings or a campus 
and we see your vision where you can, you know, offer a virtual opportunity or you have a one bench opportunity and you can sort of take these companies and see them grow, have them evolve, you know, sort of create that genesis. Yeah. Right. And, and to the point where they potentially take a building of, of their own and, and sort of create that, that synergy, right? Yeah. Because I, I think that's how, that's how we solve problems, right? Getting individuals together, them having that synergy, they have discussions and they sort of figure out, wow, how about doing it this way? And I think with, if we continue to sort of foster that type of mentality, then I think that we will be further along in the future. Yeah. Tony, so you're you're starting something or not necessarily starting, but you're continuing to, you know, expand on on something that was kicked off in the in the in the South Bay year, years ago. Obviously, there are some, you know, big players out there across the country namely, you know, Blackstone with its biomed realty platform that can, you know, come in and, you know, buy a million square feet of, uh, you know, property and, you know, convert it or do whatever they want with it. How do you capture your piece of the pie, if you will, without sort of, you know, worrying what some of these bigger players might do in the future? I think it's just, it's simply by developing relationships, you know, and, and I think that's sort of what made, has made BioCube successful is, is that early investment into, into that sticky relationship. You know, currently in South San Jose, we we develop a relationship with local capital group DRA, yep. and with their support, we were actually able to, to lease out the ground floor of our existing two story building, which has which is in support of a, of, of BioCube's growth in in the South Bay. We we saw that as well, building that relationship via local capital group. They have now created a new venture called uh, Blue Ventures. Okay. They partnered up with an organization called PCCP, and with their support and their vision, we shared we shared a similar vision. We are now part of the North San Jose Life Science BioSquare campus that's being developed in the heart of Silicon Valley. Yeah, and you know they also see the vision as I do is 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 building that complete ecosystem uh, within. I think I believe it's about half a million square feet of, of office space, uh, they will convert into sort of life science opportunities. So so we are definitely seeking out those partnerships, you know, whether they be the Blackstones or the Wexfords and partnering them because we know how to build and op- operate these types of programs yeah. and they have the financial support. So by us teaming up together, we can sort of make it happen. Yeah, makes sense, makes sense. What's your vision for this industry, you know, five, 10 years from now? You know, that, that's actually a good question. And I've sort of, uh, sort of alluded to that as, as what I've sort of said, the, the ecosystem. I would be able to like to have an opportunity to create a facility that, or at least within a campus, that uh, we could start off with a virtual type of program. Yeah. We can offer bench space. We can then offer multiple bench spaces and, and sort of allow companies to grow in, in place. It is extremely critical to allow companies to grow in space, having them to relocate to another facility could be detrimental to their science. Yeah. And I think that's what sort of made BioQ very popular that 
other programs sort of tend to graduate you within six months to a year. We don't do that. We, we are also remain agnostic. We don't take part of the business. We solely generate our revenue from leasing out individual wet lab spaces. And as we continue to sort of provide those opportunities and allow them to grow in place by taking a full suite, multiple suites, then maybe transferring them into a, a larger facility that will sort of offer them to go from a 3,000 to 15,000 square foot facility still under the BioCube umbrella. And I think that once they get to that 15, 20,000 mark, we can then transfer that relationship to a landlord and have them build a facility of their own, or they can take a facility with of their own within sort of that campus environment and, right. and still continue to be part of that full blown ecosystem that I would really, really, that, that, that's my dream. Yeah. That's my vision for, for the next stage of evolution for BioCube. Yeah. Is, and we, we hope to do that in BioSquare North San Jose. Yeah. And if you extrapolate that to the rest of the industry, where will the life science industry be in the Bay Area, you know, in five to 10 years? Do you anticipate it, you know, doubling in size? Do you anticipate sort of the cluster becoming stronger or will we see a dispersion through some other smaller markets like, like we're seeing with other tech happening today? Well, I think that, you know, a lot of cities and a lot of these, you know, locations, very small locations are starting to pop out throughout the peninsula, northern and southern California. And I think as the demand for wet lab space, a demand for opportunities for these very early stage life service companies, at some point, we're going to see sort of a clash where we all sort of tend to merge together because of so many different smaller clusters sort of popping up through California. And, And I think that there is a place for all of us because we all do things very in a similar way, but different, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. It does. You know, we, we, you know, depending on demand and and demographic of that, of of location, we may have different opportunities. You know, San Jose may be more life science and up the peninsula could be more clean tech. It, It really just depends on what's coming out of the universities, the talent. The opportunities, they may be from, you know, corporations as to what they're developing at that given time will we'll sort of, I think, gear what opportunities these individual organizations may have to offer. Yeah. So we'll, we'll all be sort of geared towards fixing the problems of tomorrow, have very similar programs, but we may be focusing more on one than our sisters would be up the peninsula. Yeah. Makes sense. Tony is my final question, and I like to ask everybody this, uh, given everything that's sort of going on with, you know, 2020 and COVID and everything else, as you sort of canvas the industry and look at what you're doing and uh, the people you're working with, what gives you hope? You know, my hope is is continuing to be able to provide opportunities, opportunities for these very young scientists, entrepreneurs, you know, to be able to have a place to call home a safe, clean environment that they can, you know, help society, you know, improve their way of life. You know, as long as we continue to do that, that that's sort of my dream. And eventually to create that ecosystem that we sort of touched on earlier. 
I would really like to see a, a, a full campus that sort of caters to very entry level to the more advanced. Great. Tony, thank you for your time. Happy holidays and stay safe. Yeah, you as well. Happy holidays to you and your family. <laughs>